Welcome to the BetUS College Football Show. This is the Wednesday, October 4th, week six preview show, part number two. I'm your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at GaryWCE or on Twitter at WinningCures for right now. Uh, we got a lot of games today, so let me go ahead and bring in two of my favorite people on this planet. We'll start on the right side of the screen. Of course, the handicapper of the decade, our award-winning professional handicapper. He's at Kyle Hunter Picks on Twitter. Kyle Hunter, how are you feeling about the slate today? Doing great. Uh, oh, favorite people on the planet. That's awesome, Gary. I, <laughs> I feel good about that, too. We're going to have some positive vibes today. Looking forward to chatting college football. Oh, most certainly. We are keeping it all positive right here. I got the lucky shirt on. They went three and one last Tuesday, so I'm feeling good about things. Of course, on the left side of the screen, our analyst, the numbers guy. I call him the numerical guru. He is at Stats of War on Twitter, Parker Fleming. Hope you got your number machine cranked up and ready to go today, brother. The numbers, the numbers, they ran all night. They're looking fresh. They're looking crisp today. I'm excited to get into some of these plays. Oh, most certainly. All right, before we begin, I got to remind everybody, BetUS is celebrating its 30th season by giving away one tough truck. You can visit BetUSTV.com slash tough truck for more information. Uh, but here on the college football show, as you see on the graphic there on the screen, we're giving away one entry per show to win the truck along with, you know, other fun prizes like uh, tailgating packages and tickets to football games, etc. The only keys are, of course, you have to be watching live, and you got to be signed up over at BetUS. Uh, Parker, if people want to win this truck, can you tell them what they need to do today? Yeah, if you want to win this truck, one, one you got you to gotta be a member at BetUS, so go ahead and sign up there. Two, you got to be subscribed to the show because the way that you win is commenting, and the only way you can comment in the chat is if you're signed up. Uh, subscribed to the show. So make sure you take care of that. Make sure you're signed up as a member at BetUS. And then you just got to comment which of the three of us you think has the golden ticket. We're going to randomly assign it at the end of the show. I really felt like I had it yesterday and I'm pretty bummed, honestly. But uh, comment who you think. Just say, and, and and so the producer can for sure say it. Don't make any jokes about it or anything. Say like, Parker has the golden ticket. Just so they can see. I want to make sure you get your entry in there if you get it right. Um, and then the producers are going to pick somebody randomly at the end of the, uh, the show who correctly selected the golden ticket winner and they're going to get registered for an entry here so uh very very easy subscribe comment uh who has the golden ticket and we'll pick one of you to see who uh who wins that that's right that's right so of course tell us in the chat is it myself is it kyle is it parker you tell us and at the end of the show after our best bet segments uh we were we'll tell you exactly who it is who wins uh but we're going to reveal it before the q a Right. Uh, I believe at the end of the I think I got that right. Hold on. Hold on. Let me make sure I tell everybody. Uh, let's see. Q&A. And yes. OK, we're going to reveal right before Q&A. So after the games are done, that's when we're going to reveal. Uh, we are here live every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We don't ask for much from you guys. But Kyle, could you tell everybody how they can help us out? Yeah, subscribe to the show if you haven't already. That's how you can get in the chat and also uh, hit the thumbs up button. Hit the notifications bell as well so you know that when we're going live. A lot of people, 16,200 subscribers. We appreciate everybody. Chat's a lot of fun always. Oh, most certainly. Uh, of course, I implore you guys to do the same thing for the BetUS NFL show. Jared, Fezzik, and of course, Las Vegas Chris. Uh, they're with you every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, today, not long after this show, they're going to be here. And just a heads up, of course, you'll see on the uh, the side graphic here in a little bit on our show, uh, the BetUS NBA show is coming back on October 24th. So set your calendars for that. Make sure that you are subscribed over on that channel if you are interested in the NBA. Uh, it's going to be a, a very interesting season. A lot of teams with opportunities uh, this season to win a championship. 
focus in on what they got to say. We, we got a great team over there. All right, let's go ahead and recap our records thus far this season. Ooh, uh, it's not great, but again, we explained a little bit yesterday. Go back and watch the Tuesday show after this one, and uh, and we explain, you know, exactly what these records are. Okay, I'm sitting at 10, 13, and two after going five and three in week five. Kyle is now eight, 12, and one after going one and four last week, and Parker. Uh, 12, 14, and 1 on the season. He went 3 and 3 last week. Uh, overall, 30, 39, and 4, which, again, as I said yesterday, a big week can get us to above 500 if we have some really good outcomes, though. If we have really good outcomes. Uh, if you want to get in on the action, of course, visit betustv.com slash join and track the odds along with us. Uh, you can visit betustv.com slash odds for that. Uh, for those watching live, of course, as Kyle talked about, uh, we do have a Q&A segment that we, you know, close out the show with. So make sure and toss your questions into the chat. We're going to get to as many of those as humanly possible. All right, fellas, let's saddle up. Let's ride. Game number one here. Oh, yes. The first Saturday in October, and we have a potential SEC East championship game. This 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN, the Kentucky Wildcats head down to Athens to take on the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite, juiced at well, the juice is minus 105. We'll say that. Uh, and the total is sitting at 49. Now, look, Kentucky has lost 13 straight games to Georgia, but they have covered against the dog. And the Wildcats are 5-2 and two against the spread as a road dog since 2021. Georgia, on the other hand, 0-4-1 against the spread in their last five as a home favorite. This is not great. Not great. Now, it, part of that is because the numbers are inflated. Uh, just about every week, but either way, Kyle, I want to start with you here. Every week there is a line that I initially want to bet into and then back off once I dive into the numbers. And and this is that game for me this week. I initially loved Kentucky. Uh, Georgia hadn't really looked great this season, partly because their run defense has just been incredibly suspect and Kentucky just blew the doors off Florida, mostly with, you know, Ray Davis running for 280 and three touchdowns. But that Kentucky performance was a bit of an outlier, uh, this is Athens at night and a Georgia team that's been hearing all the chirping. Uh, what's your handicap on this one? Yeah, Kentucky was fantastic last week. I can't believe Davis had such a big game against the Florida defense, really, that had been very good. Um, you know, that, that really hurt Georgia or Florida's uh, season to date numbers quite a bit for, for a defense that looked pretty good before that. Um, Georgia finally woke up at the end of the game, started just feeding Brock Bowers. What a dude Brock Bowers is. That guy is uh, fantastic. This is a, a the thing about Georgia, like Gary said, that surprises me the most is their defensive front against the run. They really shouldn't be bad against the run. There's really no excuse for that. How's a team with this much talent in the front seven giving up 3.97 yards per carry, 67th in the country? They really haven't even faced that many good rushing attacks, guys. I mean, it's not uh, you know a great schedule that's that's burned them. Now they do face a good rushing attack. You've got Kentucky the, at six. The crazy point. thing, sorry to interrupt, is last week against Auburn, you knew that they were going to run the ball, and Auburn just told them, we're going to take this football, and we're going to run it right down your throat, and they did it for over 200 yards. Just it was pretty, mind blown. pretty shocking. And yeah, I, I, mean, I, will, I will point out there, I'm actually a lot more skeptical about Auburn there just because Peyton Thorne had a run of 61 yards, which is not Auburn's designed run game. True. I think it's fair to say. <laughs> and um, and if you take that out, they average what? Um, oh, I shouldn't have set myself up to do math live on air. Like 3.7 yards. I think it was 5.1 with that Peyton Thornton rush. 3.7 without that one rush. So huge, huge outlier uh, 
Did we lose him? And oh, there we go. <laughs> Oh, I'm back. That that plus that that differential there, and then a couple short field touchdowns. I think kind of skewed this game, making it look a lot closer than it was. I don't think I agree at all that Auburn ran it down Georgia's throats just okay. because that big outlier run really kind of skewed the average. And and on a down to down basis, um, certainly gave up the explosive there. But I really I really think this was more about. Carson Beck making a couple turnovers and Peyton Thorne breaking a big run than Georgia's front seven. So I hopped in there and just totally swung a baseball bat over all of that. But I'm actually a little <laughs> more optimistic about Georgia against against rushing games going forward, just because one, this could serve as a wake up call. And two, it really wasn't as bad, I think, as as the the raw number made it out to be. Kyle, what week. was the what was the average again that you just said? Uh, Three like point. 3.97 is what they've yeah. given up for the course of the season. Uh, my counterpoint to what Parker said, too, would be, you know that Auburn can't pass. You know, that's so it's going to be a run. And even 3.7 for Georgia, as talented as they are, is not great because, you know, Georgia's had some absolute shutdown defenses in the past. I don't know. You know, Auburn's not that good offensively. Even the 3.7 is not great, at least by Georgia standards. So, um, you know, Kentucky, they can run the football we know they're going to try to run the football here. 6.48 yards per carry is what Kentucky has on the season. Now, last week helped that a lot. That's second in the country. Kentucky's first in explosiveness on offense. We talked about this last week, 84th in success rate. Great split. Uh, you know, this is a Georgia team that's, they have not recovered a forced fumble so far this year. I think that's super surprising. Uh, the thing that doesn't surprise me too much is Mike Bobo's play calling has been pretty predictable. I think we kind of saw that one coming, at least uh, somewhat. In this case, I could only lean Kentucky plus the points, but I still think Georgia is going to flip the switch at some point. I do want to mention a system which does apply to this game and also would apply to some other games that I think uh, viewers and listeners would be interested in hearing. Game five of the season on, you're backing a team that has a low ATS cover percentage on the season so far. So 35% are games or less you've covered against a team with a high cover rate 72% or higher. So in this case, you'd be back in Georgia because they haven't covered the spread against a team in Kentucky who has been covering. Backing the low ATS cover team, 55.2% against the spread. So, you know, it's not, I'm not saying it's a slam dunk and you should just go bet that. It's just something to consider that it's the buy low, sell high theory. Most certainly. Uh, yes, I, th I think you're right, Kyle. They are missing Todd Munkin on offense uh, big time. Mike Bobo, certainly predictable offense thus far. However, they do have better players than pretty much everybody that they're going to play. Parker, you know, we got the number 13 and number 15 PPA margin teams in the country here. Uh, you know, again, Auburn kind of showed some issues with Georgia's rushing defense. Uh, Georgia is number 73 in rushing success rate allowed. Uh, but what scares me about Kentucky is while they looked great last week, on the season against a pretty weak schedule, they're number 82 in rushing success rate on offense, the number 109 in stuff rate allowed, number 109 in offensive line yards, et cetera, right? Uh, here's where I guess it could get tricky. Kentucky, I'm showing, is number one in rushing explosiveness. Georgia's defense is number 94. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I mean, Kentucky's defense is always pretty good. It looks like Georgia's going to be able to throw on these guys. Break this one down for me, Parker. 
Yeah, so so one, uh, if I opponent adjust those explosive numbers, that lands a little bit more like Kentucky 8 and Georgia 58 on, on offense and defense, respectively. So still, a big gap for Power 5. Top of the Power 5, bottom of the Power 5 right there. And that's not really where you want to see Georgia um, being. A couple of things stand out here. One, Kentucky's pass game has not been very good. Devin Leary has really struggled to get some consistency. I have them at 92nd in passing success rate. Georgia's defense, obviously, way better against the pass than the rush 19th in passing success rate, or excuse me, passing EPA allowed. So if uh, if Georgia can just completely take away that dimension and say, hey, you're going to have to, you know, or even can we devote more attention to the run game and make you have to pass to beat us and we'll take our chances with Devin Leary. That's a, that's a pretty sustainable uh, path to success. Two third down numbers really, really stand out here. One, Kentucky's offense has actually been 86th on third and fourth down success rate on offense. They really, if they don't hit that big play, they're not moving the ball. Georgia's defense ninth in third and fourth down success rate allowed on the flip side of the ball. Georgia's offense has been seventh, kind of struggled on early downs, 37th, but seventh on third and fourth down success. It's pretty easy when you have Brock Bowers get open as your get out of jail free card there. And I don't know that Kentucky really has the dudes to, to, to match up on that and prevent that, take that dimension away from Georgia's offense. Kentucky's defense is 85th in third and fourth down success rate. So I'm seeing a path here for, uh, you know, Georgia to convert those third downs, Kentucky to not convert those third downs. And if Georgia can avoid the turnover lock that they had last week or even the turnover mistakes that they had last week, we, we could see this get out into double digits. I've got this uh, at about eight here, but but kind of I feel the inverse about it that I did last week against the Auburn game. I'm like, I think that this game could be a bigger margin that actually is closer than the score looks relative to a game last week where I felt like it was a smaller margin that was not as close as the score looked. That's a home field advantage, night game in Athens. While the numbers might say Kentucky, uh, the spot certainly might point to Georgia. So uh, we're staying away from this one. No, no official plays here, but it will be interesting. I will say that. Uh, we'll move along, and boy, do we have a good one here. Oh, yes, we move from a big-time SEC game all the way over to Conference USA. Southern Miss welcomes the uh, – well, this is not Conference USA. Excuse me, this is the Sun Belt. I, I get tied up with the uh, <laughs> the realignment mess. Uh, Southern Miss, they welcome in the Old Dominion Monarchs to Hattiesburg on Saturday uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. Southern is a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home, total of 57-and-a-half here. These two have not played since 2015 and 2016. Uh, they're 1-1. Against each other straight up. Uh, Old Dominion seven and three against the spread in their last ten as a road dog. That's pretty good. But they are only two and eight straight up. So of course to cover this one, I mean you you either lose by one or you win the ball game, right? Southern Miss four and two against the spread, uh, five and one straight up in their last six as a home favorite. So they tend to do pretty well in this role. Parker, I'd, we'll start with you here. Who would have imagined that Ricky Ronnie, former Penn State offensive coordinator, would be coaching a team whose best unit is their defense. And yet here we are, right? Number 113 PPA per drive on offense, number 42 PPA allowed per drive on defense. Uh, Southern Miss, like these guys are weird, man. They're, they're bad at everything and yet still explosive on offense. There's things to, to pull away from maybe both of these teams. Parker, what have you got on this one? Yeah, you know, Alan Watts, Gary, said that we're under no obligation to be the person we were five minutes ago, and Old Dominion is certainly subscribing to that theory. I also want to point out here, here's what we need to happen in the comments 
we need a game where when a sicko game like this comes up, I need people to guess who put it up there. Because like if it's Western Kentucky or Jacksonville State, you know it's probably me. But if it's if it's Old Dominion <laughs> or Southern Miss, it's like 50-50 Gary. And before we give out the play, I just want to know what people think who put this game in here. Because I think that I see this on the, on the screen come up and I'm like, oh my God, who put this game in here? So I, I love it. I um Yeah, again, when you look at these bad games, I'm trying to see if one team can do one thing well. Southern Miss has been really, really rocky, man. I, I thought Will Hall was a really good hire and really interesting. Um, and I thought what they'd be able to do is get the offensive side of the ball sorted out and then maybe build up the defense kind of as the offense was good. But they got a couple injuries that just really screwed up the development pipeline and have not been able to play consistently at all on the offensive side of the ball. 110th in offensive EPA per play. And that's even as they're, you know, 65th in EPA per rush. Their passing game is so aggressively bad that they're uh, 2.0 rush rate above expected isn't even pulling them out of that out of that mire of being 122nd in EPA per pass. So really, really rough situation in the passing game there. Really, really one-dimensional run heavy. Old Dominion is a little more balanced overall. Uh, but the returns are not great. Better at rushing, 54th in EPA per rush, 128th in EPA per pass. That basically means you're ahead of the service academies uh, and Sam Houston State. It's not it's not great there. Um, but I, I do like this defense, especially against the rush, 38th in EPA per play, 69th in rushing success rate allowed. And so they could put up a pretty stout front here against the Southern uh, Miss team that really needs to move the ball on the ground to have any sem semblance or any chance of success at all. Third down disparity huge in Old Dominion's defense favor as well. 28th, uh, they are in allowing third and fourth down success. Southern Miss is 89th in third and fourth down success raw averages there. So um, I, I certainly think that that uh, Old Dominion's defense is really going to frustrate Southern Miss and, and Southern Miss is really just hoping to run, you know, run six successful play or run six plays and hope the seventh one is a touchdown for, for 80 yards because that's really about all they've got in terms of offense this season. Uh, we'll move over to Kyle here. Uh, you, you know, we've got Southern Miss number 27 explosive play rate on offense. Old Dominion number nine in the same metric. Uh, on defense, the Golden Eagles are number 122 at stopping explosive plays. Old Dominion is actually number one in explosive play rate defense. Uh, this ODU defense is surprising. Uh, but look, I mean, these two offenses grayed out terribly in efficiency. Uh, tell, me, tell me what your breakdown is here. Love the chat after Parker says, you know, guess who has it? People saying, get Kyle looks guilty. Kyle, if it's a total. Yeah. So um, we'll see. It looks, it looks like I may be guilty on this one. But uh, this is a Southern Miss team that used to be good defensively, guys. And we remember for many years they were good defensively. They're not anymore. That's gone. It's it's not a thing anymore. Uh, it's in Gainesville now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in Gainesville uh the Golden Eagles defense is a clear weakness at this point. They're 130th out of 133 in yards per play allowed at 6.99. They've managed to give up 17 plays of 30 yards or more, four plays of 60 yards or more. Really explosive plays giving up consistently. Old Dominion's going to get some explosive plays here. And I think the only counterpoint I would have to what you said is, is Old Dominion's defense actually good? Because look at the offenses they've played so far. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech scored 36 points. They're not a good offense. Louisiana, well, Virginia Tech not with Kyron Drones, too. So, like, even Virginia sure. Tech shows signs of life, but it was not yes. that quarterback that they played. Yeah, that's right. And Louisiana scored 31. They're a pretty good offense, but they put up 31. Wake Forest, 27. Wake Forest is only okay on offense. Then they played against Texas A&M Commerce in a rain windstorm. Uh, nine points given up to them. Then they gave up 41 points to Marshall. Marshall's a good team, but Marshall's not really a good offense. So I'm not sure that Old Dominion's defense is as good as they look on paper. And the Old Dominion offense, they're going to play really fast. We know that about them. 
So the, the tempo is going to be there. And I don't trust Southern Miss to stop them. So I think uh, Old Dominion is definitely the side I would lean to in a game like this. But if Old Dominion is going to be able to set the tempo, maybe play from the lead, Southern Miss is the type of team that has been able to score when behind. We saw that against Texas State last week. I think this total is too low, given the pace that this game will be played at. Southern Miss is better on offense than they've been in recent years. I'm not saying they're great. They're better than they have been. Old Dominion playing the weak opposing offenses. I think this total is a little bit too low, given the pace this will be at. Kevin Decker is definitely changing the way Old Dominion plays. I'm going to take the over here. I like it. Let's lock this thing up. Kyle is going to ride with the over 57 and a half here. Uh, and the poll, of course, just completed. Uh, looks like everybody seems to believe that Old Dominion uh, will win this game. It's on the road. It's in Hattiesburg. I think that Southern Miss might be able to find something here. My numbers have actually Old Dominion favored by a point. Uh, who knows? Who knows? I think it's going to be a lot of fun, though. Uh, Richard Chandler over in the chat said, over, this has the feel of a 44-35 to 35 game. Yeah, that'd be way, way over. <laughs> if we got that kind of score, I think Kyle would be uh, very happy. Very happy, because then he wouldn't have to worry about most of the second half at that point. Uh, let's see. We're moving right along here. Game number three. Oh, yes. Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines, they are on the road for the second straight week in the Big Ten, and this time they are in Minneapolis at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time to take on P.J. Fleck and the Minnesota Golden Gophers on NBC. That's right. It's the NBC Big Ten Saturday night thing. Uh, Michigan, a 20-point favorite with a total of 46. Ooh, that, that screams underdog. Screams at low total, uh, double-digit spread. Michigan 8-2 and two against the spread against Minnesota since 2006. Uh, they have not played since 2020. And if you remember that game, that's when P.J. Flex defense was the first to make Joe Milton look like a superstar and just brought out all those warm feelings in Parker over there. <laughs> the Wolverines are 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six as a road favorite. Uh, in Minnesota, 3-0-1 oh, against the spread in their last four as a home dog. But they have not been in this role since 2021. All right, the Gophers are two and three against the spread as an underdog in their last five in that position. Uh, Kyle, we'll start with you. The Minnesota running back Darius Taylor uh, might be out again this week. He's been their best offensive weapon. He's racked up over 500 yards rushing and four touchdowns in only three games this season. Uh, without him, I'm not sure where the production is going to come from, especially on the ground. Uh, Michigan is number two in PPA allowed per rush. Uh, do you see a path for Minnesota here at home? Don't, um, you know, like Alan says in the chat, this is the battle of the block M here, Michigan and Minnesota. Um, guys, uh, Minnesota's not good. They're not what they were the last few years. Uh, Minnesota's 101st in yards per play margin so far this year, negative 0.65 yards per play. In the schedule they've played, Nebraska, Eastern Michigan, North Carolina, Northwestern, Louisiana. So no real excuse to be that bad on the yards per play margin. Flex team has some major problems. And Michigan... Uh, everybody knows I'm an Ohio State guy, but there was some talk that Michigan was disappointing before last week. Like, what's wrong with Michigan? Michigan's fine. They're going to be really good. Uh, Harbaugh's back. As Gary would say, Michigan has been playing with their food for a while. They're, they were screwing around. They're fine. No worries about them. Big Ten schedules here. The Wolverines are really good. Offensive line is elite. Their defensive line is very good as well. Michigan should be able to take advantage of a weak Minnesota front seven on defense compared to what they've been the last few years. I think Minnesota, Rossi is a great defensive coordinator, but they're outmanned in a lot of these Big Ten games at this point. Uh, I just don't think that they're going to be able to stop Michigan, uh, Corum and company from running all over them. 
Minnesota's 84th in yards per carry allowed. Now they face the best rushing attack they've faced yet. Minnesota fits that, like Gary said, the uh, low total big spread system. But, you know, systems, I'm not just going to bet those straight across the board. My numbers would suggest a pretty strong lean here to Michigan as well. Uh, maybe a pizza money bet for me on the favorite here, because I, I think Michigan covers. I'm I'm with you, but I'm going to bring Parker in first before I explain my reasoning. Uh, Parker, there's not even a special teams advantage for Minnesota here. Uh, Michigan is number 22 in special teams grade over at PFF. Minnesota is number 122. Like typically, if you were looking for a team to keep it close, you'd want somebody that uh, has some kind of advantage in special teams or can break explosives. Minnesota's offense is number 125 in explosive play rate. Basically, everything that, that Minnesota wants to do butts up against a Michigan strength. Uh, is that what your numbers are saying here? Yes. Um, I think that like Minnesota ideally wants to beat Michigan and they are going to have to try to beat them playing Michigan's game, which is just uh, exceptionally not great. Let me read you four numbers really quick. 19, 82, 32, 19. That is Michigan's offensive rushing EPA versus Minnesota's defensive rushing EPA and Minnesota's offensive rushing EPA versus Michigan's rushing EPA on defense. That's not good. That is, that is uh, not great. Especially when you consider Minnesota is 118th in rush rate over expected. They're rushing 7.8 percentage points more than the average team given down distance and situation. Uh, and, uh, and, and Michigan is, is 78th uh, in that as well. This is going to be a beefy run heavy game. I've got this 28 to seven. So I've got a lean towards the under a lean towards uh, Michigan there, especially as uh, you know, if that's 19 and a half or, or 20 there, um, the other thing that, that, that really is rough, um, Minnesota just gets really bad when the field gets short on both sides of the ball. They're 93rd in points per quality possession, 117th on, uh, on defense in points per quality possession. And lastly, look, I like Athen Kaliak Manis. One A plus for the pronunciation. I practiced it three awesome. times before the show. Kaliak Manis, Kaliak Manis. Thank you to Andy Staples for setting me straight on that. But, um, I, I think that what, what I really like here is, um, him in a situation where they can stay ahead of the chains and not have to get in those third down situations that are going to be so much worse. He's uh 41.9% completion under pre under pressure, uh, sacked six times when he's pressured, pressured on 30% of his dropbacks. Um, Minnesota is 112th on early downs EPA, and they've been allowing, they've been kind of living on those third downs right there, 51st and third and fourth down success. Michigan's defense is 11th and third and fourth down success allowed. And they're going to, they're going to get Minnesota in these long situations because Minnesota is going to run on early downs and, and Kaliak Manis is just going to get teed off on sitting back there in third and eight, knowing he has to pass. So uh, I'm not optimistic about Minnesota's chances here, which is not necessarily a referendum on them long-term just in this exact situation. They are matching up in style with a team who, who dramatically outclasses them uh, in all facets of the game. A hundred percent. I am riding super with negative. Michigan. Sorry. <laughs> it's a, no, no, it's it's exactly what I was thinking, right? Uh, Minnesota does everything that Michigan does, but just not as good. Uh, I'm riding with Michigan uh, minus the 20. It's a primetime game. They've got a massive advantage in the trenches here. Michigan is number three in stuff rate allowed on offense. Minnesota is number 102 in stuff rate on defense. I cannot find a path for Minnesota to keep this thing close. And, you know, Michigan having Indiana for a noon game next week, I think they're going to show up big time in a primetime spot here. I'm going to lay all of those points with Michigan on the road. Give me Michigan minus the 20. I like it. A uh, quick reminder, hit that like button for us. Make sure that you are subscribed. Make sure and leave a comment. We want to know your picks on these games. For those watching live, of course, 
Make sure and get in your questions into the Q&A at the end of the show. Uh, you can toss in your guess also for who has the golden ticket so that you can be entered to win the truck. Put that in the chat, whether you think it's myself, Kyle, or Parker, uh, along with, of course, your questions. I, every time I say it, I just want to see the graphic. I just want to see the truck run across the screen. How, uh, how easy <laughs> is it to get the graphic on screen? Like, could it? Could I just say about the truck randomly and we get the graphic on there once or twice? There we go. Perfect. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move along. Let's uh, let's go to game number four here. Uh, good gracious, uh, Notre Dame heads to Louisville on Saturday night. It's seven thirty p.m. Eastern time. They're going to battle the Cardinals on ABC. Uh, this is the third straight big game, the second straight ACC road primetime game for the Irish, uh, and of course, you know they got USC on deck next week. So maybe a bit of a uh, let down look ahead, right? <laughs> or a, a sandwich spot, as uh, as the solid verbal guys would say. Uh, Notre Dame, a six and a half point favorite, juiced at minus one fifteen. The total, fifty four and a half over at BetUS right now. Louisville, they're a healthy three and two against the spread in their last five as a home dog. But you know Notre Dame after last week, they have won thirty straight ACC games, uh, fifteen straight games as a road favorite, including eight and two against the spread in their last ten in that role. Parker, I, I'll start with you here. I, I think the most surprising thing about Brahms Cardinals in year one has been the defense. Uh, he wasn't known for defense at Purdue at all, uh, but this team is number 14 in success rate allowed, number 12 in PPA allowed per drive. It, again, this is not against fantastic competition thus far. Uh, the offense has stalled out at times, even against not great competition, but you know, the reason this team is 5-0 and is because of their defense. Uh, they're number 35 and have it created, number 26 in stuff rate so far. Notre Dame is a different level, though. Louisville has played the number 108 strength of schedule, Notre Dame number 10. Uh, Parker, what's, uh, what's your breakdown on this one? This Louisville defense was nasty last year. 17th in EPA per play margin, 8th against pass, 29th against the rush. They finished the season last year. So, like, the bones were actually pretty good for this Louisville defense coming coming in. But I am surprised, you're right, uh, under the Braum pace and under the Braum kind of, you know, day-in, day-out practice, they've maintained a pretty high, a pretty decent quality there. couple concerning things that I think would lead me towards Notre Dame, even if my numbers have this a little bit closer than I'm comfortable for. Um, Louisville's defense has really been allowing kind of the big play touchdown and allowing you to score in those scoring opportunities. 101st in points per echo. Uh, Notre Dame is 15th there. So Notre Dame's really, really good at finishing those drives. Um, and, you know, the, the the run game for Louisville has been pretty good, 23rd in EPA per rush. I, I really just don't know. I, I think the Notre Dame offensive line and Audrey Estime really, really changed the equation here. And um, there's some sort of like cumulative effect of success rate and explosiveness here where I feel like, uh, Notre Dame doesn't care if Audrey Estime is not successful on like six straight runs because they're hoping the seventh is going to be a big one, you know? And so uh, we'll, we'll see what the explosive run situation looks like there. Louisville's EPA per play is is worse than their success rate, suggesting, again, when they're giving up successful runs, they're allowing those chunk plays. It's not a good recipe when Audrey Estime is on the opposing, uh, in the backfield uh, there against you. The other one that stands out to me um, is field position. 
Uh, Louisville kind of has an opportunity here because Notre Dame's been 87th in starting field position. Louisville is 36 on defense allowed. That's Notre Dame's offense, Louisville's defense there. Um, and, and so if you could get Notre Dame into these long, long drive situations, not give up any short fields, make them have to earn it. And then on the flip side, Louisville's actually started in terrible field position their own. 88th in starting field position on offense. Notre Dame's 83rd in starting field position allowed. Maybe Louisville gets a little bit of breathing room. Uh, from Notre Dame not being able, you know, not not this season, not doing too well at, at kind of pushing teams back into their own territory. And that frees them up a little bit to create some more opportunities. They're 78th in opportunity creation, create some more opportunities and then finish them well. So um, I, I really trust Louisville way less than my numbers do. And I trust them way less than Notre Dame does. I am still interested in, we've talked about this. It's not crazy to have had a Louisville ACC championship future just because of where they're sitting right now. I still feel good about that. Um, this game doesn't necessarily matter for that, but um, they, you know, they, they put it together kind of early and look competent and have survived in situations that, that worse teams would have, you know, would have lost those games. So really, really um, th th this is definitely a, um, a great filter uh, for, uh, you know, is, is Louisville actually good, but it is a spot where if they can stay healthy and keep it competitive, they're still thinking about the ACC here. Yes, I, I tend to agree with you there. Um, Kyle, this will be the Irish's seventh straight game this season without a bye. Uh, it's their third straight primetime, high-stakes matchup. Again, the second one on the road. Uh, at some point, you would think it would be tough to emotionally get up for one of these, and and maybe this is that spot, especially with USC coming to town next week. Notre Dame, big talent advantage. They're number 11 to number 28 in 247's team talent composite. Uh, but they had an even bigger advantage against Duke last week. Uh, tell me, what do you expect in this one? I mean, you do have to wonder if Notre Dame's going to have one of those down games coming up. Uh, Notre Dame's defense has been really good. I've been super impressed with their defense this year. Uh, Louisville last week, I, I'll call myself out. That was a bad play on Louisville over. I definitely expected Louisville to be more successful on offense against NC State. Um you know, uh, you go back and kind of look at the week before his plays. I feel like uh, Akron was a very unfortunate one because post-game win expectancy, they should have won the game, and then DJ Irons got hurt. Uh, Louisville was just a bad play. So, you know, you have to be honest and say when things weren't right. Louisville, what was going on with Plummer in that game? You know, I, he had some terrible decision-making in that game. That last interception was oh. just atrocious. Yes, and brutal. And the, the War Jordan, as much as he had been so explosive – he averaged two yards per carry last week. So Louisville's offense, which was up against a defense that really hadn't been that good, uh, just completely stalled out. You know, Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame's one biggest weakness, easily their biggest weakness as a team, is their wide receivers. I mean, they really didn't have great wide receivers to start with, and they've had a lot of injuries. Um, Sam Hartman, at first, so classy of him at the end of the game against Duke. I think he's super easy to root for. And uh, Hartman's been good, if not spectacular, so far this year. But I think that's understandable, given his uh, pass catchers there at Notre Dame. Estime is the go-to guy for Notre Dame. Uh, Tempo-wise, I'm surprised Louisville is only 86th in tempo. Rom's team's been playing slower, had a little bit lower uh, scoring games than I expected. Notre Dame, 112. That doesn't surprise me. I think Notre Dame will try to run, uh, play some keep away in a game like this. So... I don't know what to do with the side in this one, but I tend to think the under might be the right play, even though my number is pretty close to this. Uh, under makes sense to me based on, I don't know that I trust Louisville to be successful against this uh, Notre Dame defense, especially when you look at Plummer's advanced numbers under pressure. I mean, he's really bad under pressure. I think Notre Dame will get him under pressure in a game like this. So uh, Notre Dame running the football a lot, under is my lean here. 
Typically, I would ride Notre Dame here, um, but this is just a massive sandwich spot. It's huge game for Louisville. Uh, no official plays here because we've got a big game last week for Notre Dame, big game next week. Uh, this one's on the road, et cetera, et cetera. So no, no official plays for us on this one. But again, typically I would lean Notre Dame. I guess I might would lean at six and a half. I'd probably go Notre Dame here, but that's neither here nor there. It's not an official play. <laughs> we'll move on to game number five. Uh, who boy, you know, when a team has become a G five darling, uh, the undefeated Fresno state bulldogs are playing on Fox at 8 p.m. Eastern time in Laramie against Wyoming this Saturday night. It's not FS1. This is Big Fox. All right, this is a huge game in the Mountain West. Uh, Fresno is a six-point road favorite with a total of 45. So this thing has come down a little bit as far as the total. Um, Fresno, 7-2 and two against the spread all-time against the Cowboys. That includes 4-0 and oh straight up and against the spread in the last four meetings. Uh, Wyoming, they have failed to even score in the last two years against the Bulldogs. They lost 30 to nothing last year and 17 to nothing at home in 2021. Uh, Tedford's bunch is six and two against the spread in their last eight as a road favorite. And you guys know the Craig Bowl numbers, 16 and six against the spread in their last 22 as a home underdog. Kyle, Fresno is number 10 in stuff rate, number 23 in PPA per rush allowed. And there is literally nothing that Wyoming does on offense that the Bulldogs don't defend pretty well. Uh, tell me what you see happening in Laramie here. What do we do about this game, guys? I'm I'm looking forward to this breakdown because Bull is a tremendous coach. We all know that. Um, they're good as a home underdog, nine and two against the spread in their last eleven as a home dog. But Fresno is much more talented than is Wyoming, no doubt about that. Um, you know, Craig Bull and company at home are tough to fade. Also, uh, one of the most beautiful stadiums there is. I'm, I want to go to Laramie to catch a game at some point because it's so picturesque. Uh, I think Fresno State uh, comes in here laying six points. This kind of looks like the spot where people are going to say, we have to take Wyoming. They've been so good at home, uh, plus the points. The public probably is going to take a team like Wyoming in this spot. We also remember that Wyoming pulled that upset against Texas Tech. People are going to point back to that. And then you start breaking down the, the matchups here. Mikey Keene. Uh, really good quarterback in this system. I mean, Parker said this early on that, you know, Mike, Mikey Keene maybe was just kind of in the wrong situation at UCF because he's not fast, uh, but he can throw the football and he's been doing that. Mikey Keene versus Andrew Peasley. I mean, there's, there's a gulf of difference there. That's for sure. Um, I really like what I see from Keene and Tedford's system. Obviously Tedford's been very good with quarterbacks in general. Um, he's also been really good throwing it to the middle of the field. If you look at the, the advanced data, I like quarterbacks who throw it to the middle of the field well because I think that means they're a good decision maker in general. So uh, I trust Mikey Keene. Wyoming's defense, while coming into the season, I thought Wyoming's defense would be really good. They really haven't been that good. You know, if you look at the numbers, 86th and success rate allowed so far this year, they just gave up 26 points to New Mexico last week, and it really wasn't a fluke. New Mexico was in that game the whole time. They're 124th in defensive habit created by the front seven. Uh, Fresno State is 15th in yards per carry allowed. Wyoming has to run to have success in a game like this. There's no way they can just throw it around. So I'm not going to lock it in officially. I do lean Fresno in this one. I think this is tricky because Wyoming, I hate uh, fading them with ball, but I think this is a mismatch talent-wise, so I'm going to lean to Fresno. As well, y'all know how much I have loved Craig Bowl over the, the duration of this show's history, uh, but this is just a spot where uh, – 
you know, typically you hear uh, you hear Chip and the Cover Three guys talk about it. it's going to be windy in Laramie. It's not going to be windy on Saturday in Laramie. Uh, you're going to have more wind at McLean Stadium for Baylor than you are for this one. <laughs> like Minnesota is going to be windier than uh, the Laramie is going to. Parker, uh, Wyoming's defense surprisingly suspect against the pass this year. Uh, number 103 in pass success allowed, number 72 in PPA per pass. You juxtapose that, you know, like Kyle was talking about, Fresno's offense, number 14 pass success, number 38 PPA per pass. And you got a bit of a mismatch going on here, not to mention a massive five factors advantage for Tedford's bunch. Uh, what, what should we expect in this one? Yes. Can I point out, you mentioned the weather. Let me just get my thought out on that too. If this game's November 28th, I'm taking Wyoming at home. I'm saying this gets yes. nasty, right? What is the California boy going to do with the cold hands, right? That this game being right now, it's just nippy. It's not cold. They're going to be fine. It's not a lot of wind. Uh, so really, really into it. I, I love I love what they're doing with Mikey Keene. I love seeing a guy find the right fit. The transfer portal rules for guys like this who are able to go to a different school, drop down a level, and thrive. That is awesome for Mikey Keene. He's been great. I'm going to point out the even even deeper mismatch in the run and power, the passing EPA. Uh, it's going to end up being a compliment to Craig Bull and kind of a slight to his players. So stick with me for a second. On the whole, Fresno State is 24th in EPA per pass. Wyoming is 74th in EPA per pass on defense, right? Huge, huge advantage. If we split this into play action and no play action, Wyoming's defense is amazing against play action. Negative 0.299 EPA per pass on play action. And you know in college, play action, even in the NFL, play action is, is way more effective. That is a coaching advantage. That is them saying, we're not going to get beat. Our linebackers are disciplined. They're allowing, though, 0.185 positive EPA on non-play action passes. Guess what? Fresno State only runs play action like a fifth of the time. They're 0.228 EPA per play on play action, which is actually worse than their non-play action uh, offense. 0.421 EPA per play on non-play action passes for Fresno State. So they're going to go away from the play action game. They're going to take out the Craig Bowl element of that disciplined linebacker and secondary element entirely, and they're going to be able to pass a ton. They're 14th and rush rate over expected. Fresno State scores 10 points on the first two drives. Wyoming can't catch them. I'm going with the Bulldogs here. I'm riding with Mikey Keene yet again as a favorite on the road. Home trends in Laramie be damned. Let's uh, let's do Fresno State here. I mean, we, we the last two years we've seen it, right? Fresno has, has held them scoreless. Uh, I think the combined score, 47 to nothing in the last two years against Wyoming. Uh, it doesn't feel right betting against Bowl and the Cowboys, especially in Laramie, but... Look, this Fresno State team is absolutely rolling. They've had Wyoming's number as of late. I think Fresno's defense defends what Wyoming does well, and the Cowboys do not match up well with what Fresno wants to do on offense. I think the line should be closer to 10. So, like Parker, I'm going to lay them with the Bulldogs here. Uh, let's let's lock this thing up. It's at six right now. Uh, still feel good under a touchdown, for sure. If this thing gets like seven and a half, eh, maybe hold up. But I, even still, I kind of like, I think it should be 10. I think it should be 10. It's ridiculous. Uh, moving along, game number six. Oh, good gracious. We're going to stay in the Mountain West. <laughs> this is another interesting one. Uh, this time in Logan, Utah, Jay Norvell takes the Colorado State Rams to battle Blake Anderson and the Utah State Aggies. Uh, this 8 p.m. Eastern time. Oh, yeah, and I told you about it last week. It's on the Mountain West Network. You can watch it over at themw.com. Uh, Colorado State is a two-point favorite. Total of 63 and a half. Uh, I think it's a sicko game when you can only watch it on a website or or an app, right? I think, Kyle, would that be would that be a sicko game? 
Utah, yeah. Utah State has won four straight between these two. Colorado State has covered uh, five of the last six in the in the meetings. Uh, and this makes only the fourth time that the Rams have been favored over the Aggies in the last 13 meetings. Colorado State, one and four straight up and against the spread their last five as a road favorite. But, man, Kyle, you're going to love this number. Utah State is 4-16 and 16 straight up and against the spread in their last 20 as a home underdog, dating back to 2013. That number is why they never cover as a home dog. It's insane. Uh, Parker, let's start with you on this. Let's start here. I started looking at the analytics on these two teams. It is all over the map. I have no idea what to expect here, okay? Colorado State is number 44 in PPA margin but number 116 in available yards margin and number 100 in net points per drive. And Utah State on the other side, number 83 in PPA margin, number 84 in available yards margin, number 69 in points per drive. I, can your numbers paint a clear picture for us on this one? And then uh, and then I want to talk to Kyle about the handicap here. Yes. Did this, did this go through zero? Am I crazy? Maybe I'm gaslighting myself. Wasn't Utah State a favorite to open? I think um, I think they were a one point favorite or yeah, I think they were a one. Point maybe favorite. not at maybe not at BetUS. I'm not sure about the line movement there. I'm pretty sure that they were a favorite elsewhere, which I would have uh, loved Colorado State with with the points there. Um, yeah, looking at Colorado State. So I, again, opponent adjust and um, do some do some voodoo. I've got this closer to like uh, Colorado State 85th in efficiency margin, Utah State 103rd in efficiency margin and both teams with similar profiles. Colorado State 61st on offense, 98th on defense, Utah State 72nd on offense, 109th on defense. So you can see the range is about the same. Utah State shifted down just a little bit there. They both pass a whole lot, which is interesting because the variance gets very, very high there. Colorado State is minus 10 percentage points less than the average team in terms of rushing, and Utah State is minus 4.5 uh, less than less than the average team there. What's really going to determine the battle here is um, it's not whether each team can be successful on first and second downs. It's which team can be more successful on first and second downs. Colorado State 23rd in early down ZPA on offense. Utah State 111th on defense. Not great. Utah State 18th in early downs EPA on offense. Colorado State 92nd in early downs EPA on defense there. So I think who's going to stay out of those third down situations? Who's going to extend drives? Who's going to get that run? Or that pass that is, I can't believe I said run in a game with Colorado State. Who's going to get that pass to go, you know, instead of a five-yard mesh possession route, who's going to be able to break it off and, and get that, you know, 20-25 yard uh, play and really keep things moving? That's really what I'm interested in. I will say Colorado State's uh, passing game has been much more explosive than Utah State's. Colorado State 40th. The Aggies are 71st in EPA per play on uh, or EPA per pass on offense there. So um, I, I actually lean towards Colorado State, um, and I think there'll be a lot of points. Neither team is is really good at stopping finishing drives. 129th for for Utah State's defense, 79th for Colorado State's um, defense. So could could get a little pointy, but you know when teams are this chaotic, you're never 100% sure about which direction that'll go. I think I would lean towards Colorado State, and golly, I might. I might pizza money and snag this before it gets too much to the other hand. I just kind of talked myself into it there, but I, I like this. I have Colorado State as a favorite outright and uh, was kind of waiting for a little bit more, uh, uh, a little bit more in that direction. But uh, yeah, that's a, this is intriguing to me because Colorado State hopefully is trending up for, for those of us that are interested in Colorado State over four and a half. We're hoping that the worst is behind us and that they're figuring things out. And this would be a nice one to have. My numbers have got, uh, it would, so my model has got Utah State favored by 1.15, uh, and this thing did open as a pick, so not not the other way around. Uh, Kyle, we got two teams that are 
top 20 in overall plays per game. Two teams where, you know, the offenses certainly have advantages over the defenses in certain spots. Uh, and you know that these two coaches are totally fine with games getting pointsy, right? Uh, tell me what you read on this one. I mean, if you look at the tempo, uh, 7th and 12th in pace of play for these two teams. So get ready for a bunch of possessions in this game. We're going to see plenty. Blake Anderson, I still think he's a good coach. He doesn't have the talent that a lot of the guys around him have. And what is Anderson good at? He's a really good offensive mind. Uh, they're always going to play fast. And the last couple games, what has Utah State done offensively? 6.3 yards per play against James Madison, a pretty good defense. A 7.1 yards per play against UConn. Not saying UConn's a good defense, but still 7.1 yards per play. 72 points in those two games. Um, I think the Aggies should be able to score a solid amount of points. So if you look at the other side, Colorado State's pass-heavy offense is looking much better. I think Fowler Nicolosi gives them a much higher upside than Mellon did. Um, yeah, he throws an occasional pick in a bad spot, but... Uh, he also has the arm talent. Utah State is 132nd on defense in generating pressure. So I don't think he's going to be under pressure in this one. Utah State's defense, 129th in success rate allowed. CSU passing it on 61% of their plays. Utah State on 54.5% of their plays. Fantastic weather in the forecast. Nothing looking bad as far as affecting uh, the way these two teams want to play, throw it around, play quick. It's also a very tight spread game. It's kind of bounced around that pick one or two points. I wouldn't discount the chance for overtime. These two teams have played a lot of really close games. I think this will be a close game as well. Even without overtime, I like the over. I just think that's a, a nice little bonus. So I'm going to take over 63 and a half in what I think will be a back and forth kind of track meet. I, I could roll with it. I could roll with it. So, of course, Kyle going to take the over here. Uh, I can't disagree with that. You know, and I know that there's people that <laughs> want me to try and disagree with everything, but uh, no, at everything that he said makes perfect sense. Uh, I've got that. Yeah, I've got I've got an over on this one as well, even though the number has come down a little bit. Uh, it makes sense. It makes sense. Before the last two games, of course, I see quite a few people watching, uh, but we need more of you to like the video. Let's get this thing to 150 likes here. And of course, make sure that you subscribe to the channel uh, for those that are watching live. Of course, drop your uh, your questions in the uh, in the chat for Q and A. Uh, if you're not watching live, you can toss picks and thoughts in the comments. Of course, uh, we're going to respond to as many as possible. And of course, you see on the side of the uh, the video there uh, the Bet US NBA show coming back October 24th. Uh, make sure and uh, set your calendars. Oh, uh, of course, the guess is in the chat for which one of us has got the golden ticket. You want to win the truck, right? Uh, put in your chat. Put in your guess. There it is. We got it on the screen now. <laughs> uh, don't forget about the BetUS uh, football show podcast in your favorite podcast app. And check out the BetUS NFL show every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. You can win uh, the truck over there as well. So moving on, game number seven. We got two more that we got to hit. Ah, uh, yes. 8 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. Uh, we have got two Big 12 teams that I think we're still trying to get a read on as Dave Aranda and, of course, the quarterback, Blake Shapin, they welcomed the Texas Tech Red Raiders uh, into Waco. This one was a pick. It's now Baylor uh, as a one-point home dog with a total of 60-and-a-half over at BetUS. In 2020, the, the Baylor and Texas, Texas, uh, excuse me, Texas Tech line was a pick em, and Tech won 24-23 in Lubbock. Uh, last year, Baylor won at 45-17. They covered for the first time against Tech since 2018. Uh, in their last six at home, 
Baylor is one four and one against the spread. Texas Tech is two and five against the spread on the road uh, under Joey McGuire here. Kyle, you talk about two teams that I've got no idea what to expect. Uh, Baylor's had the quarterback Blake Shapin back, you know, obviously a massive come from behind win at UCF last week. Uh, and Texas Tech is 0-3 on the road already. They lost uh, their quarterback, Tyler Shuck. They're now playing Baron Morton at quarterback. How do you start to handicap a game like this one, Kyle? Yeah, I think this is the one game that we talk about this week that the numbers matter the least because, uh, you know, Sawyer Robertson is not nearly as good as Blake Shapin. There's a world of difference there. Robertson had a 47.8 PFF grade. Shapin 76.8 last year, 82 and a half so far this year. So Baylor is far better than their numbers would look for the course of the season so far. Now, exactly what they are, I think, is a little bit tough to grade. And that's I, I agree with Gary that this is a tough game to pick aside for me uh you know baron morton uh where do you guys rate him compared to tyler shuck i'll let you guys kind of follow up on that but morton played hurt last week had just 22 pass attempts uh the week before it was 13 for 37 passing against west virginia now west virginia's defense has been good um much better than expected texas tech ran for 239 yards last week against houston and man how far has houston fallen i mean that that program has <laughs> been in big trouble um, tech Fourth in the nation in tempo, good offensive line play. Baylor's defensive front is weak. Uh, Texas Tech has not played very well away from home. Uh, you kind of wonder if Baylor could be a good buy low team. Maybe I consider betting the over here, and I almost added this one, and then the line went up three points. So uh, I'm going to pass because this one has gotten up there too high for me. But my lean would be over. I kind of think Baylor is, is kind of in a good spot here because of their um, – their numbers so far this season look bad, but they're definitely better than that. Uh, having said that, I think this is a tricky side to handicap. And Parker, over to you. Uh, you know, just like Kyle talked about, Morton has been injured a little bit. Uh, Shuck is gone. It feels like the Tech offense kind of relies more on Tosh Brooks in, uh, in the running game when Morton's behind center. Not that it makes much difference against Baylor's defense, who is equally bad against the run and the pass. Look, Parker, I don't have a clue on this one. What, what's your expectation here? I'm over here laughing because Kyle and you were both saying the correct thing, which is like, this game is very hard to figure out. I don't know. I don't know, whatever. And I'm about to make the most vibes-based play I will ever make on this show in my entire <laughs> life. Like, this is the pinnacle right here. This is as far as I will go in saying, like, I consulted the spirits and they told me Baylor's going to win this game. That's that's about <laughs> where I am in this situation because Baylor's not very good. Um, you know, this the is all was, vibes, right? This uh, is all, all vibes, all vibes. Um, but I, I think there's actually a statistical case here, even though the arguments are huge. You've got to contextualize some of these numbers, especially with the disparity like this, especially with the non-con. So one, Texas's run day, run game um, is, uh, excuse me, wrong team. Texas Tech, their run game is good. Uh, Joey McGuire, shout out, talking about EPA in the press conference. You love to see it there. Um, I'm going to be obsolete because all these coaches are going to know what EPA is, and then I'm not going to have anything to add uh, any anymore. But until then, I'm, I'm happy that they're they're saying it uh, for now. But they're fifth in rush uh, in EPA per rush, even as they're rushing 7.4 percentage points less than the average team, which is 24th uh, in, the, in the nation. So they are very selective about their run game, especially with Shock, where they're kind of doing – 
um, a little bit uh, of kind of that drop back traditional traditional offense, passing a little bit more, and then and then rushing when it's a light box. And the running backs are good, and they can they can pop off explosiveness. You know, thirty third in rushing success rate, so they're popping off those big runs when they do get successes. But uh, the the trade off that you're going to have is with Baron Morton, you're going to run more and you're going to scramble more because your hope with Baron Morton is that your offense is the kitchen sink. It's just a bunch of nonsense, and you're going to hope the opponent um, you know can't catch up. We saw with Baron Morton last year, I think against TCU. He started and they ran like 10 different run concepts in the first two drives, not like 10 different run plays. I mean, like literally it was like counter and bash and, uh, and, and, and power and wide zone. And like, they were just, Hitley was like, whatever works, we're just going to try it. And so they've installed a lot of that. They can do a lot of that. I'm worried that as they rush more, the passing ceiling is going to come way down and it's even already low. And then. Uh, that run efficiency is also going to come down. So Texas Tech's offense is going to stall a little bit. And then we saw in the, in the Houston game, an offense that comes out and acts kind of surgically, with, has some dudes, can put up points here. Monterey Baldwin leading the Big 12 in yards per route run. Again, just a productivity score. The offense goes through him. Um, I, I think Shapin with a few more reps can find Monterey Baldwin. Texas Tech with a little bit less uh, efficiency, coupled with the fact that recently Baylor has just absolutely absolutely dominated this that 2020 game uh baylor definitely had some key covid holdouts there and it was a one-point game in lubbock um but since they stopped playing this in in arlington uh texas a&m has has won one in waco that was 2017 then they are four of the last five they've lost with the only win being the covid year which i just tend to totally throw out these days so i i, I it's weird um i think there's some statistical case for it my numbers have texas tech by five just for just for full disclaimer I think this is close enough that I'm going to give the edge to the home team in conference play. Uh, a good friend of mine said that there's no handicapping a bum fight. And that's kind of what we're looking at this weekend. <laughs> I'm going to take the underdog. Let's ride with Baylor here. And I hope I don't live to regret it. <laughs> I, I, so, yes, let's lock it up. Parker's going to take Baylor uh, based on vibes and spirits talking to him. Uh, I love that you called Texas Tech, both Texas and Texas A&M in the same conversation. <laughs> Coffee, Gary, coffee was here at the start of the show. It's like right here. The caffeine has just fully hit me now. We're just oh. we're just going hyperbrain. Oh, I love it. I love it. And all of us knew who you were talking about. So before anybody jumps into the comments and he, he wasn't Texas A&M, give us the real numbers. You know, I just can't wait till they the put this on Twitter and everyone who doesn't follow <laughs> me is going to be like, what is this dumbass saying? Well, everyone who follows me is like, yeah, it's just Parker. This is what he does. Like this. That's all he does. It's all good. Oh, Lord. Uh, so, yes, we locked it up. Uh, Baylor plus one for Mr. Fleming over here. Uh, Dr. Fleming, if you will. Don't don't ever forget that. Uh, <laughs> game number eight. Let's move along. Let's finish the last one out before we get to Q&A. Uh, good gracious. Look, we close out this week's late. It's a late game in Berkeley, California. Justin Wilcox and the Cal Golden Bears, they're going to host uh, the Oregon State Beavers at 10 p.m. Eastern time on the Pac-12 network. So, oodles of people will get to see this. Uh, the Beavers are uh, currently a road favorite of nine and a half over at BetUS with a total of 51. And look, Oregon State, three and one straight up and against the spread in their last four meetings with Cal. That includes last year's just uh, beating 38 to 10 win in Corvallis. Oregon State is two and five against the spread in their last seven as a road favorite. Cal is six and one against the spread in their last seven as a home dog. Parker, we're going to start off with you on this one. Uh, Oregon State averages three more rushing attempts per game on the road this season thus far. And against this Cal defense, I would expect more of the same here. And granted, three plays is not huge, but I was I was looking for something that would side with me here. Uh, the, the Bears 
They are number 110 in stuff rate and number 62 in rushing success allowed and number 94 in standard downs PPA. Uh, Cal started their quarterback, Sam Jackson, last week, but, you know, uh, that was against Arizona State. They announced yesterday Ben Finley is back practicing with the team. They're going to see how this week goes. Regardless of the quarterback, this Cal offense leans on Jaden Knight, which is not a good matchup against the Beavers, who are number 16 in PPA per rush defense. Uh, tell me what your numbers see on this one, buddy. I don't even have to go deep here. Look, just look how beefy Oregon State's defense was in the comeback against Washington State. They were down 10 points. They scored 21 points in the fourth quarter to almost win this game outright. In a game they were getting blown out because they just ran the ball. Touchdown drive. They went run, 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 pass, run, touchdown. The next one, they went nine plays. They went pass, 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 run, 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 touchdown. Like they they can run the ball and come back and and, and like they can play like a high tempo team and run because they're so efficient there. Cal's defense, I, I, I think is much better with the Wilcox defense is much better at being annoying towards pass centric teams. I think Oregon State can just line up and say, brother, there's no scheme here. I'm just going to run over you. And I think they should absolutely be able to do it here. I, I like the Beavers in the spot. Um, this is one I, I think for some for some pizza money and and full disclosure, Gary, I think if you hadn't gotten on the sheet before me, I probably would have put this one in, but I can't look like I'm tailing you, so I'll let you have this one, but I'll be there in solidarity for sure. I, I felt really good about it. Kyle, it, we'll move over to you. DJU obviously wasn't able to get it done on the road at Washington State, but this road environment in Berkeley is not going to be nearly as hostile as Pullman, and there is a clear advantage at the line of scrimmage for the Beavers, as Parker just talked about. They're number 10 in PPA margin against Cal's number 88. I feel like this line is stagnant because of the whole Wilcox as an underdog trend. Do you kind of think the same thing here? Because I, I feel like this line should be closer to maybe two touchdowns. Yeah, I, I, Wilcox has been great as an underdog, but you look at Powell and what they've done lately, I can't be too uh, positive about them. They had a post-game win expectancy of 31.8% against Arizona State. Um, Powell's offense, while they're playing much faster this year, they're not efficient. There was just a minute there where I thought Cal's offense was going to be good, and it just turned out North Texas's defense is that bad against everybody. Um, Cal has been – they have a really good running back in Jaden Knott, but their offensive line is not very good. They're 120th at PFF and run blocking. I think that's going to be a problem here, like you said, Gary, because Oregon State is really good at stopping the run. And, and just a basic yards per carry, they're fourth in the country. The Beavers secondary did lose a lot from last year, but I don't think Cal's the type of team that can take advantage of that. Washington State was the type of team that could. I don't think Cal is. Cal's offense against Auburn, three and a half yards per play. Against Arizona State, 4.2 yards per play. And against Idaho, just 5.4 yards per play. I think Cal's offense is a major weakness. Uh, what does Oregon State do best? They play games at their pace and in their style. They want to run the football, play slowly, control the ball. Um, they were they got out of that against Washington State. Like Parker said, they actually ended up coming back by running the football, but they weren't able to play slowly and keep it a low-scoring game. I like Oregon State's chances of playing from ahead here, controlling the time of possession, keeping this one lower scoring. I definitely lean Oregon State in this game, but I'm going to take the under. Uh, this one has dropped some, but 51 is a key number as well. So I'm going to take under in this one, thinking Oregon State holds down Cal. Even if Cal is able to have some success on offense, they still make it extremely difficult on themselves to score, right? They're number 13 in scoring opportunities per game thus far, but uh, number 58 in points per scoring opportunity. Oregon State's defense is number nine in points allowed per scoring opportunity. On the other side, uh, it's even more lopsided, right? Oregon State, number 18 in points per scoring opportunity. That's when you get a first down inside the opponent's 40-yard line, for those that are curious. 
Uh, Cal is number 125 in that metric on defense. They, they allow everybody to finish drives. So Oregon State, who we fully expect to be able to drive, uh, I expect them to score. I don't know that Cal will be able to because they will probably end up making a mistake somewhere along the way. Uh, so I'm going to take Oregon State minus the 9.5. I cannot believe that it's under 10 right now. Uh, but I will take Oregon State minus that 9.5. Kyle is going to take the under here. Yeah, I feel like we got a good uh, we got a good game here. Uh, especially, look, if Finley can't go, I mean, that is just nightmare fuel. Nightmare fuel. I, I, I don't care if this thing's on the road or not. I don't care about Wilcox's underdog record. Not in this one. Styles make fights, my friends. All right, uh, for the last time today, if you have not already, go ahead and like the video. Of course, it looks like this. Uh, click that button and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Now, as you know, one of us is holding a golden ticket for an entry to the Tough Truck Contest. So, let's go ahead and reveal who has got it this go-round. Let's see what we got. Is it going to be me again? Mm. Ah, ha, ha. The Poor Parker. <laughs> Kyle feels, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not rejuvenated. Jubilee. He's, he's jubilated. We'll call it that. I think I might have just made up a word. But either way, uh, for those of you that had Kyle in the chat, uh, we will we will pick this <laughs> Parker in the chat. The golden ticket selection is right. <laughs> the production team is going to randomly select a name from the chat uh, that guessed it correctly, and we're going to announce the winner after the best bet segment. Uh, are we getting? Where's this? Is the middle of the day? Am I delirious right now? I might be. I might be. I've got a newborn. I don't sleep much these days, but regardless. All right, let's get to Q&A. Okay, Heath Harrelson. Q&A for Parker. Any leans on Ole Miss and Arkansas? He said that he likes Arkansas to cover. Uh, Parker, what's your your feeling on this one? Because Arkansas has just been through a gauntlet. And, you know, but this is kind of an emotional letdown spot for Ole Miss, too. What, uh, What do you see here? Yeah, well, I definitely bet on Ole Miss being uh, bad against, um, like, after playing Alabama last week, and I should have listened to my stupid numbers that said Ole Miss was going to win that right, and uh, I didn't, so I went against that here. So I'll I'll look at my numbers a little bit. I've got this Ole Miss by 13. Um, I I think the problem here is not the average estimate between the two teams. It's the uncertainty. I think my uncertainty about Ole Miss is, is getting very, very narrow. I have a pretty good idea of what they are. Arkansas? lot wider there. I still think they have a theoretically very high ceiling with KJ Jefferson, a decent offensive line and Rocket Sanders in the backfield. I think you could score on almost anyone, but they're 74th in offensive EPA per play. I know some of that might be play calling. Some of that might be, you know, Sanders is out. Some of that might be KJ Jefferson pressing a little bit uh, this season to kind of recreate the magic from last year. I don't think they looked like outclassed against AM, but I was like, eh, that's kind of uninspiring here. Um, and, and so Arkansas does seem to be coming up short of the line. You do wonder how many more of these performances they can have before guys are kind of like, oh, I don't know, man. I'm not going to break my clavicle for this anymore. And not, 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 not to put that on anyone there. Um, Ole Miss, on the other hand, still very much in the race for the SEC West. I, I, I think they're grooving at the right time. Um, oh my gosh, why can't I remember names? When I pull stats, I can't remember names. I'm going to vamp. Give me two seconds because I just tweeted this out about the yards per route run leader. Trey Harris for Ole Miss, leading the nation in yards per route run, 5.25. That's not yards per target. That's not yards per attempt. That means every time he's on the field, averaging all of the times that he runs around, he's getting five yards every time he runs around. That's absolutely That's absurd. Super, super productive from, from Trey Harris for Ole Miss there. certainly bumped those numbers. Like, yeah, that, absolutely. That absolutely I mean, bumped it. 
they they saw something they liked on film and were able to exploit it. And uh, even if he doesn't, you know, go crazy against Arkansas's defense, the gravity of having him there is going to free up other guys to 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 be multiple for Ole Miss there. So going to trust my numbers here. I'd lean towards Ole Miss, although I'm at 13 and the numbers at 11, and I'm very uncertain about Arkansas. Yeah, uh, yeah, I could see that. Kyle, you uh, you got a feel on this one by chance? You know, I think Richard in the chat makes a good point. Uh, somehow Arkansas's offensive line is not good. That doesn't make any yeah. sense based on the coaching yeah. staff. Um, you know, I I don't I don't know. I kind of want to bet the over. I think the numbers come down here. I would think Arkansas can score on Ole Miss, and I think Ole Miss will score quite a few. Um, I don't really like a side in that game. Uh, Alan McComas jumped in. He wants to know about Illinois and Nebraska. How sicko is this game? Uh, it, it's pretty damn sick this year. I'll tell you that. Uh, both are bad. Uh, he said, but what are your thoughts on Illinois and Nebraska? Okay. Uh, I'll tell you what my number says on it. And my number says da, 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 uh, Nebraska by 0 0.31. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have Nebraska favored on the road against another Big Ten team. That's interesting. Um, Kyle, can you, could you bet on either one of these teams right now? Well, I can't lay points with Illinois. I know that much. Uh, the question is whether I can bet Nebraska plus three and a half in this one, because Nebraska, I think might be a bit better than the market thinks they are at this point. Illinois has some major problems. That defense is not even close to what it was in the past. Uh, this is also one of those really windy games. There's some chance of wind and rain. Uh, you could argue who that would help. Nebraska doesn't really throw it around very well, neither does Illinois, but uh, the total's very low. Uh, yeah, I kind of like Nebraska plus the points. Yeah, it's, uh, I, Nebraska, it's, it's I plus did. I pulled the trigger even. on Nebraska. Wait, say it again? I pulled the trigger on Nebraska three and a half yesterday afternoon. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that, well, that would make sense. I mean, it's moved that direction. Plus three now for Nebraska, and, uh, and it's even money. So, uh, Parker, explain the plus three and a half. What's, uh, what, what's the situation here? I think Illinois stinks. <laughs> I mean, that's just, I don't think I, sometimes I, I, sometimes you don't have to make a handicap like harder than that. Right. Like just right. Illinois is bad. And I think that Nebraska is, was publicly very chaotic. And so that's going to inflate kind of the perception in the market of how bad they are. I think, I think Heinberg's been fine. Heinberg Heinrich. That is probably uh, just whatever the, the quarterback's name is, I can't remember it, but um, yeah, I think that uh, overall we're looking at uh, a Nebraska team that's, that's kind of settling down a little bit and an Illinois team whose cracks in the foundation are getting a little bigger. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Uh, let's toss a few more on here. Uh, let's see. Eric S X N Eric Sexton, I guess I'd... Kyle, how do you feel about Tulsa as a road dog against FAU man? Let me tell you, Tulsa looked fantastic. That, that, that was against Temple last week. And Kyle, can I tell you that I think there is a world where Florida Atlantic is actually better at quarterback with Casey Thompson out. And I know that that sounds absolutely ridiculous, but Daniel Richardson is the backup. He was the quarterback at uh, Central Michigan. That's I think the same they guy. can be better. Yeah. I never put that together. I'm very dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's not a ton of people that follow the G5 stuff quite the same way that we do here. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they could be actually better. I don't think it's crazy that Tulsa is an underdog, uh, but man, that quarterback, uh, what's his name? Cardell Williams. I think uh, he is, he was fantastic last week. Uh, Kyle, what do you think uh, about that? Tulsa as a road dog at FAU. 
I would lean Tulsa plus the points. I mean, they've improved quite a bit. If you can avoid Williams making that big negative play, I think plus three and a half is a pretty good look. So, uh, yeah, that's what my numbers would support as well. I don't know what to make of Florida Atlantic at this point. Gary, I think there's a chance you're right as far as the offense. Hoover would be my lean too at 55 and a half. So, uh, but yeah, I think uh, Tulsa plus three and a half is a decent look. My numbers have got Tulsa actually favored by half a point here. Uh, Parker, what, is that what yours have got? Yeah, yeah I think that this one, I, th- I meant to pl- post this one again because I think I had the win probability flipped for some reason. Maybe I had it home and away backwards or something stupid. But I have Florida Atlantic by like less than a point. And so like 50, 56% win probability for Florida Atlantic, even though my graphic on Twitter says the wrong thing. It says it backwards. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Heath jumps back in. He said, a uh, question for Gary, the starting quarterback for Iowa is out. So would you lean to Purdue to cover? I think that Iowa, again, another one of those situations, I think actually they could get better quarterback play because Cade McNamara has been playing hurt the whole time. And now you've got a guy that's 100%. And I don't know that he's great, but now he gets a a full week with the first team. It's not like Iowa's going to have a great offense anyway, regardless who's playing back there. But I think they could be a little bit more buttoned up. Uh, I still kind of lean Iowa here. Like what what you saw out of Purdue last week was not what you're going to see this time. When they blew the doors off Illinois, that's because Illinois is bad. I, that's just my take on it. Hey, Kyle, let's uh let's see what you've got on this one. What, what do you think here? Uh Iowa with a new quarterback and Purdue. Um the weather has been a uh, reason this total has been bet down from 41 and a half or 42 down to like 39. Um uh, Hard to take under 39, but I certainly don't want to bet the over. I think it'd be really hard to bet Purdue here. Purdue hasn't really proven that much. Like you said, I think that was more about Illinois. And Iowa finds ways to win games, and the spread is so short, they don't have to win by very much. So I would certainly lean Iowa. Parker, what about you? Is that what your numbers are showing here? Aid Purdue, yeah. Um, I still, I'm consistently projecting Iowa to score like 24, 28 points every week, and it scares the bejesus out of me. But Purdue, uh, yeah, I, I think that they just can't match up physically with Iowa. I, th- I think uh, I think there's something to that. Uh, Matthew Former, thoughts on Rice and UConn. Is that a game this week? I don't think that's a – have I lost that? Who who does Rice play this week? Does anybody know? I think they play UConn. Looking at the schedule, yeah, UConn. Yeah. Okay, Rice at home. Yeah, nine and a half. Dude, I have How did Rice I... by sixteen? Holy cow! Let's see. I've got, yeah, I got Rice by fourteen point four six. That's interesting. Uh, okay, tell, how about this? Tell me, is it, so? I guess JT Daniels is good to go. Then, I mean, I know he played last week, so yeah, I guess. Hey, crazy theory that I heard uh, about. <laughs> about Jamora and why UConn looked better last week. Um, you remember the story about Najee Harris telling somebody that uh, Jamora told him that he knew who killed uh, Tupac? Uh, well, now they've, now they've figured out who killed Tupac, so they arrested somebody, and now all of a sudden UConn can, uh, can start playing better. So maybe that's why this line is a little short. Kyle, what, what do you got on this one? <laughs> Yeah, um, Rice minus 12, but this was one of the first games that I mixed out immediately and don't want to bet this week, so I, I don't have any strong opinion here. I uh, To Matthew Farmer, I apologize. I had not even 
thought about rice and Yukon this week. I don't know why anybody would put themselves through that, uh, having to, uh, having to bet that game, unless you went to rice or to, you know, Connecticut, uh, Parker, if you got a, you, you said yours is what 14 or 16 or whatever. 16. Yeah. I don't Ooh. trust that. I don't, yeah. Um, some yeah. of these, I, look, I'm not, I'm not as great on, on some of the random G five stuff, especially because injuries matter so much at that point too. So, uh, I think rice has played really, really well and they've played well against good competition, uh, or, or better competition than the kind of what they're playing, uh, especially them being at home, I would certainly lean them. Um, but you know, you start to count on rice to win by double digits and I'm a little, a little nervous there. Uh, let's do a little rapid fire here. Uh, let's see. I'll start with, okay, let's do this. Uh, I will start with Parker and then the next one I will toss over to Kyle, uh, Parker. Steven said, is Sam Houston back or do you expect them to struggle against Liberty? Have at it. Uh, back, this from, back from 19. what is the, he, he, he back from, I guess, like maybe they can score something now, I guess is what yeah. he's asking. I, I think that they saw, I mean, we saw what happened in the second half there. Um, I think in the first half, they saw something they liked about one of Jacksonville state's linebackers and picked on him until Jacksonville state adjusted at halftime. Um, I also think we saw towards the end of the game, Sam Houston state, um, when they get spread out a little bit is not as good a defense as I think statistically they're looking there. Liberty I'm grading on a curve this season. I think that they're getting more and more of the offense installed. They're looking better and better every week. This is a little too big of a number. I've told myself I'm going to keep, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still leaning towards Liberty. I've bet them a couple times. This one's just a little bit too big here because that defense, uh, a little bit uncertain about Sam Houston state's defense, but no, I would not look at Sam Houston state's offensive performance last week and, and suggest that was anything other than they were able to pick on one singular matchup against frankly, a pretty, pretty poor team in, in, in Jacksonville state. So uh, if, if I had to go side, I'd go Liberty just because I think that offense is going to keep popping off, but pace issues, here with how Sam Houston State plays make me a little bit nervous about that big of a spread. My projected home spread for Liberty here is 20.69 on that. So slight lean there, but yeah, this thing opened at 17 and a half. It's up to 19 and a half now. I'd, I'd probably stay away now. Uh, Kyle, Robert says, nice show. Does anybody have a lean on Washington State at UCLA? Now, I know this, Kyle, there are some sharp guys that gave out UCLA uh, at three. I don't know that they touched three and a half. And per like, according to my numbers, I've actually got Washington state favored slightly here, but I don't know that I trust it on the road, UCLA back home. Kyle, what's your, what's your brief handicap on this one? I mean, this is a fantastic game. Uh, you know, I tend to think this over makes some sense here and it's not necessarily a numbers play. I think UCLA's defense, while it's better, is probably not quite as good as they look on paper at this point. And Washington State's offense is completely different. Cam Ward in this offensive system has been really good. Um, I do want to throw out a system, which is interesting, and I don't know if it's predictive, but it's done really well long-term. Fade home favorites after they scored less than 10 points in the last game. So that'd be fading UCLA. It's 305 and 205 against the spread, 59.8% in the last 18 years. 15.8% ROI. So this would be... This would be backing at Washington State. Can we look at that wow. and make sure that, like the Russians are bombing us or something? Is that like a national alert? What the hell is that? I think somebody <laughs> in the chat just said that. Oh, okay. okay. There's well, a there's there a test with the phone. It's great. I, my phone just went off and said alert or something, and then that never <laughs> happens to me, and I was disconcerted. Okay. That was wild. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, Kyle, uh, do you want to finish up the <laughs> finish what you were saying there? <laughs> 
but now mine's going off as well. So that's uh, all good. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, I think over is my favorite play here. Um, I just was mentioning that that system, which I think is interesting that, you know, if you fade the home favorite that scored less than 10 points, 15.8% uh, ROI over 18 years. I don't know if it's predictive, but it's consistently been winning. Um, over is my favorite play in this one. I like it. I like it. All right. Last one that we'll hit. And I'm going to ask both of you guys this. Ryan Jones said, uh, what is your live dog of the week? And I'll, I'll give you, let's see, I'll give you mine first. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to toss out Marshall as a live dog. Uh, I've actually got, let's see, Marshall. Eh, it's, it's, I've got him around to pick him with NC state. NC State changing quarterbacks over to MJ Morris. Uh, NC State's at home. You would think that they will play better, but I love this Marshall team. I think they could win this game outright. So I, Marshall, I think, would be a live dog here. Um, Kyle, we'll start with you. Who uh, who have you got for a live dog here? I take San Jose State. We did mention this one briefly. Um, I think there's a chance that Boise is still just not as good as people think and you know, plus 270 or something like that on the money line, I think is, is worth a small bet. Not too shabby. And, uh, and Parker, who, uh, who are you thinking? I mean, I took Jacksonville State. I have them favored outright. I have AM favored outright by my numbers. And so that would be, uh, let me look at the numbers on what's at BetUS right now. It's only plus 110 on the money line. Um, so that maybe that's not as attractive potentially as something else. If you're looking for like, Hey, a home run swing. Um, is Missouri considered a home run swing? Yeah, I mean, they're. I had them at, at closer to two than six, and I think with those wide receivers like Luther Burden and Theo Weiss prevent enough of it. And Cook, uh, the the third guy, is pretty good too. Like the the levels there present a lot of trouble for an LSU defense that's kind of already on, um, it's already on its skates. So that one's yeah, that one's kind of interesting to me, too. Um, yeah, those that, that those are the couple I'm looking at. Though I gave it Jack State yesterday with with the points. So look at the odds there and, and see what you can do. But those would be mine. All right, all right. That's going to wrap up, uh, of course, our Q and A here. Uh, we can't always get to all the questions, so of course, toss them into the comment section, and we will do our best to make sure uh, that we go back in there and answer as many questions as humanly possible. Uh, Jordan Berkey jumps in, and he's he always wants to know about favorite player props this week. Uh, later on in the week. We might be able to do that, so toss that question into the comments, and uh, and we'll do our best to to maybe toss out some player props in there. Um, let's see. Uh, we're moving over to, of course, our best bets from today's show. Uh, it's a recap, if you will. Parker, uh, tell us what you got today. I've got Fresno State minus six going up to Laramie against Wyoming, and I'm going to take Baylor plus one at home versus Texas Tech. I am going to take Michigan as a 20-point favorite at Minnesota. I'm going to lay them there. I'm going to lay them with Fresno, minus six at Wyoming. And I'm going to lay them with Oregon State, minus nine and a half in Berkeley at Cal. Uh, Kyle, give me some winners, brother. I'm going to take Old Dominion and Southern Miss over 57 and a half. Colorado State and Utah State over 63 and a half. And Oregon State and Cal under 51. Sticking with the totals this week, uh, that's what's got me here. I, I could see that. I could see that you're the totals king for a reason. We need to print up T-shirts. Uh, now the best bets are out of the way. Of course, remember to claim your 125% sign-up bonus over at BetUS and uh, your 30 risk-free bets for 30 years of BetUS. Uh, as you know by now, like BetUS has given away a tough truck. Let's see who the winner of today's free entry is, and that would be Derek S. And he very bluntly put, hey, Kyle has the ticket. 
That's what I'm talking about. So, of course, uh, Derek S., if you would, go ahead and make sure that you uh, send us a tweet, or I guess a DM, at BetUSTV on Twitter to claim your entry. Contact them over there, uh, and they will get you hooked up. If you didn't guess correctly, or even if you did and you were not selected here, you can still come back. We're going to give away one entry on every college football show. Very easy to do. Just make sure that you uh, head over to BetUSTV.com slash truck. Uh, to get uh, all the information. Gentlemen, I think that's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back again next Tuesday. Start going over the week seven slate. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Uh, so, you know, set your reminders. That way you can join us 1 p.m. Eastern time, Tuesday and Wednesday next week. Uh, we cannot fully express how much we appreciate you guys hanging out with us each and every time out. Uh, it's a it's a fun, growing community. You guys in the chat, uh, you make this what it is. And we appreciate you guys for doing that. Uh, make sure and, of course, hit the like button on your way out. Keep an eye on the latest odds over at BetUSTV.com slash odds. And uh, you can join the action, BetUSTV.com slash join. Uh, as always, you can follow the guys on Twitter. Parker is at Stats of War. Kyle is at Kyle Hunter Picks. You can follow me at Winning Cures. Uh, with that said, I don't think there's any other notes that we need to get through. Uh, but, yes, for BetUS, where the game begins, God bless college football. And we'll see you all again next week.